are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, here with host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. On today's show, the Suns are on fire. Things are finally going well for Miami, and Draymond Green apologizes. But we start today in Minnesota, where the Timberwolves have fired Ryan Saunders and have hired Raptors assistant Chris Finch to take over as head coach. The middle of the season isn't a curious time to fire a coach, but it's definitely a crazy time to hire someone from another team. Usually in these situations, teams go through the motions with an interim coach before making a hire in the offseason, but it looks like Minnesota already had their guy. David, the Timberwolves are 7-24 and and going nowhere fast. Why did they make this move now? You know, it's the easy answer, but it might also be the right one, which is just, well, it's a historically bad franchise as far as how they've been run. I, I, I'm i trying to figure out the rationale behind this kind of movement, and I can't seem to come up with one other than eh, it just kind of felt like the right time to do it, like a, a purely a whimsical decision on the part of Gerson Rosas because it's his hire. Like normally if you're going to have a GM take over a new team, you always hear about wanting to bring in their guy, you know, somebody that aligns with their vision for the team and things of that sort. But Saunders was his guy. Like, he was the interim coach, and then when Rosas took over, he hired him full-time. Like, one of the first decisions he made as GM was to hire him permanently. And maybe— Well, Finch, Finch is sort of his guy because they were together in Houston. Right, yes, that goes back even preceding his time— with the, with the with the Timberwolves, which totally makes sense too, and I, I I guess that's why he brought in Finch, and mm-hmm. maybe Saunders was never really so much his guy, so much as, you know, unfortunately the son of Flip Saunders, who had such a great legacy in Minnesota and everything else, and we've heard rumors that Glenn Davis, the, the owner of of the team, wanted to hire Saunders, and, and and that's why he kind of pushed for that decision from Rosas. But whether that's true or not, it's not like he's been entirely a bad coach. There have been a number of injuries, bad decisions, personnel moves that have been taking place during his short tenure. And look, they, they weren't playing in the bubble. You know, having covered the Warriors, you know how difficult it is for them to shake that rust. And this was a team like the Warriors that is much more talented and deeper than uh, than the Timberwolves. And, and look, they lost their best player, Cat, for, you know, how many weeks due to COVID before that when he was mourning the death of his mother. I mean, it hasn't been an easy season for him. And so to kind of just pin this on the head coach, I think, is rather unfair. I, I, to me, mm. I just... I, 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 th- I thought... I didn't think Ryan Saunders did a great job. He seemed um, overwhelmed. Sure. His lineups didn't make sense. To, but you make a good point, right? It, it's how much more can Chris Finch actually get out of this sort of roster. And look, it's not as if Finch is somebody nobody's ever heard of. He's interviewed for a few jobs. He had a lot of success with Houston's G League team. Like we talked about, there's a, a history between him and Rosas there. And maybe Rosas, to your point... He kind of walks into this new GM job. You know, the owner wants, you know, Flip Saunders' kid. He's kind of new to the position, and he's like, all right, I'll just kind of do what the boss wants. Right. And that he's been there for, for a little bit. He's like, all right, now I'm going to do what I want, and I want this Finch guy. And so he brings this guy in. And, look, I actually think that this is finally some sort of decisiveness by this organization. I, I don't know that Finch is – everything that I'm reading, I don't know I don't know Finch personally. I, I don't really know much of, of his history, but everything that I'm reading here – is it seems like a pretty it's not a bad hire. It's not it's not as if they went out and you know hired Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy because they wanted to make some sort of splash. Right. This was a guy who was relatively respected within NBA and coaching circles. So I'm okay with the hire in and of itself. The question now is 
what do you do? Because what constitutes now for Minnesota a successful season? Because, like I said, this team is 7-24, and worst record in the NBA. I think the reason they might have made this move right now is because their top pick is, is top three protected. It's owed to Golden State if it falls outside of that top three. There's a chance that it, it does certainly that, and that would be an embarrassment for this organization, especially because they traded that pick to get D'Angelo Russell, who's barely played for you this year and is currently out with an injury and out for another four weeks with that injury. Uh, he hasn't played with Carl Anthony Towns. That's supposed to be your tandem, that duo of the future. Right. Uh, the, the team, the franchise itself is up for sale, right? I think that may have something to do with this. And for Carl Anthony Towns, I understand that he has three years off on his contract after the season, but we know that superstars can demand a trade at any moment. And if this thing goes that south, would it surprise anybody if Towns just looked around and said, look, this has been the year from hell for me. I just want to get out of Minnesota and get a fresh start. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. So you make the change now and, and try to get some goodwill before the offseason. I, I suppose that would be the idea. Well, I, you know, to your point about D'Angelo Russell, like, him and Carl Anthony Towns have only played together five games. I mean, that, that statistic, I, I can't recall exactly where I read that, but that's yeah. astronomical. Uh, you know, they yeah. both they traded for Russell a year ago. Right. And, and so in that short time, it, they just haven't had a lot of chance to build a chemistry. So I guess for Finch, the priority is to do that right away. I mean, try and manifest some sort of chemistry between these players that haven't had a lot of experience playing together. And you've got 41 games left on the season. I mean, you have to win at least half of those, if not maybe closer to 30, in order for it to kind of feel like at least we're making headway. You could always point to maybe like the Suns from last year who had that really strong showing in the Orlando bubble. For a Minnesota team like this that's just desperate for any kind of signs of positivity, if you can win most of the next 41 games of the season, you can say we're, we're, we finally got a chance to establish something. We're on the right path. We've got our coach. We've got our front office. The stability's there that everybody's been longing for. This is the roster moving forward. And we're going to try and, and just build on this one step further. Maybe you can shore up whatever weaknesses, and there are plenty of them through the draft, or maybe even in free agency somehow, maybe make a trade for a player that will help some of those, uh, especially defensive inefficiencies. Yeah. Uh, if you want to pull the whole Phoenix, you don't have to win 20 or 30. You just got to win the last eight, I guess, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be fine. But uh, I think this team has almost transcended wins and losses at this point. I don't know that if you're a Timberwolves fan, you just you even can expect – that sort of thing anymore. I just think you want to see something. To your point, can you get D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns on the court? Like, can we just start there before yeah. we're talking about winning basketball games? And, and and then after that, figuring out if that could really be a winnable tandem. You don't. I think if you if you're able to w close the season on some sort of winning streak or some sort of feel good, winning seven of the last eight or even at this point five of the last ten, I think would be a miracle for those in Minnesota. And if the Finch can somehow low, unlock, yeah. it's very low. And if you could just sort of, just hints, right? Can you unlock a little bit of Carl Anthony Towns' next level, especially defensively? Yeah. Can you start to see something, a glimpse of hope, anything? D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, combined for 80 points on one night. Just something, something that Minnesota Timberwolves fans and that organization can hang their hat on going into the offseason. That, to me, is what would constitute a successful season. Like I said, it's not even about wins and losses at this point. It's about just on the margins, the in-between things. Just give us some feel-good moments. I, look, all good points, because they haven't had a lot over the last, what, 15 years? I, I mean, that one playoff run with Jimmy Butler is all the only thing that really stands out. So 
I don't know. I mean, you look at that roster, you're even talking about the possibility of Carl Anthony Towns asking for a trade. I mean, certainly that's your biggest concern, right? Because he is, mm-hmm. well, he is your franchise player. He has been for a couple of years now. But I've seen some talk about maybe him being a tradable player, whether or not you blow up by getting getting rid of Carl Anthony Towns. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because I think while he's certainly not a perfect player, he's, I think, good enough where you can build around him as yeah. maybe not your best player, but certainly your number two best player because he is so good offensively. And if that's the case, you have a foundational piece. It's just about kind of, like you said, building around the edges. And so that's the next priority for Rosas. He's got his work cut out for him, that's for sure. Now there are no more excuses. You can't look at anything. You can't point to anything. This team's healthy. It's intact. You've got your coach in place there. Now it's just a matter of trying to show the fans that this can be a semblance of a team moving forward. He must think that there's something here to unlock because once you fire the coach, now you're the guy in the hot seat if it doesn't work out, right? Just to your point. Coming up, a new challenger is approaching in the Western Conference. We'll tell you who it is next, but first, David, tell our listeners about Rock Auto. Well, with an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's just so hard to stock all the parts that you might need in a traditional chain storefront. So why would you endure pointless or intimidating questions by the person behind the counter while they order parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers that are easy-to-use site, and you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter the phrase Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Devin Booker scored 34 points, and the Suns outscored the Trailblazers 37-17 in the third quarter to get a big 132-100 win at home. The Suns have now won three straight games, nine of their last ten. They are 20-10 and 10 right now and pulling away with the fourth seed in the West. David, how seriously should we be taking the Suns? As seriously as we can for a team that's you know been built together over the last year, really, and has finally started to make some headway with Chris Paul as their floor general. So, I mean, the, the, the thing to me, at least when in having these kind of conversations, is always we talk about this with the Bucks, even with the Jazz to some extent. It's like, what are they going to do in the playoffs? And for Phoenix – we have no idea how they're going to be able to perform. So much of this hinges, I think, on Chris Paul's health, and that's a very shaky proposition. He is has shown this historically throughout his career, certainly has cemented that with the last two seasons now in Phoenix and, of course, last year in Oklahoma City, where he just has this incredible ability to tie the group together to get them focused on something. And, yes, there are other personnel moves that help shore up what Paul does as an on-floor general, but it's been incredible to see – Phoenix plays so damn well. And, yes, they've got a deep roster. They're getting an all-star level uh, you know, performance from uh, Devin Booker on a nightly basis. He's been phenomenal this season. They're a very good team, and I think that should be enough. Whether or not they succeed in the playoffs, so much of that has to do with luck, health, their opponent in the first round. If they can get past them, maybe they can start to you know build more credibility 
for next season. I think that's still ultimately the goal. At this point, they're progressing as well as you could possibly expect. They're winning a lot of games. They're showing an identity for the first time in a long time. Monty Williams has shown to be a really, really good coach, and they've got a great roster. The Suns have won 12 of their last 14. Um, their schedule, you look at it on ESPN.com, it's just a whole bunch of W's lately. And that's got to feel good if you're a Phoenix fan. That said, only four of those games have come against teams with winning records. They, uh, But those were legit wins. I mean, they beat the Bucks, they beat the 76ers, and they just beat the Blazers on Monday night. And we're going into Monday, we were talking about Damian Lillard as an MVP candidate, right? right? That was the headline from the weekend. The Bucks had Giannis. He scored 46 points. The Suns were able to beat him. The 76ers, it was, a, it was one of those rare games where they had both Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. The Suns beat those guys, too. Those are quality um, wins. Those are really those are real quality wins, and some of those under 500 teams, uh, Dallas, you know, they're 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 frisky. You know, the Pelicans are not doing so well right now, but I think they were back when when they beat them and and stuff like that. So, over the last 10 games, they're this they're second in the league in net rating, outscoring opponents by 9.4 points per 100 possessions. That's behind just the Utah Jazz, who we're all talking about as the hottest team in the league. Right. The Utah, for reference, 12, 12.5 points per 100 possessions outscoring their opponents. That's in the last 10 games. Their defense is just good enough. And the offense has been nothing short of elite. They move the ball really well. To your point, Chris Paul has really uh, kind of made his imprint already on that team, as we expected him to do. Turnovers are low. The ball movement's elite. Uh, Devin Booker is out there just scoring a bunch of points. They are starting to work together really well, David, in that backcourt. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have found a nice rhythm. Mikael Bridges has emerged as one of the best perimeter stoppers in the league. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton has is, is taken another uh, step in his development. Darius Sharish, Cam Johnson. I mean, that's, that's some good depth right there. Jay Crowder, playoff performer Jay Crowder. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I think they have enough pieces here. I like their additions. They have a good mix of veterans and, and up-and-coming young players who are just taking other steps. Arguably two all-stars. I think it's only going to be one, right, between Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But two guys who are right there as all-star type players in the Western Conference. I mean, with with these, this is all the stuff that sort of makes borderline elite teams in the NBA. It's just, it's just the Phoenix Suns that we're talking about. And I think people are having a hard time getting their head around that. Now, you use the same question in regards to the Timberwolves, but what would you gauge as a successful season for Phoenix this time around? Certainly a playoff spot. But I mean, a first round win would that be? Just don't, yeah, just don't get wiped off the floor in the in the first round. You just you can't. I, I think you got to avoid now the play in tournament. I think you've you've gotten to the point where you should probably avoid that at, at twenty and ten. That's a nice little cushion. So you should be one of the top six teams in your west in the Western Conference, and then just don't get just don't get annihilated in the first round. Just show that you're willing to step up. If you're Chris Paul, just stay healthy and, and show that you could be a playoff type of player. And if you're Devin Booker. In your first playoff series, you just if if you can kind of have this performance where like Bam Adebayo last year, right, mm-hmm. where you you walk into the playoffs and show, hey, you're ready for this moment that you can even up your game on that stage. That's what you would be looking for for Devin Booker because then if you're a Suns fan, all of a sudden you think, oh, maybe a year or two from now and a couple more additions and DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, everybody keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could be in the mix with the Lakers and the Jazz and the Clippers and the Nuggets. Right. I mean, you're, you're not married to this roster as currently comprised. You can always trade some of these players for some other additions there. I mean, you might have to chip away at some of that depth, but if you can get another quality star alongside Booker and Paul, and maybe if Aiton continues to show some consistency moving forward, then you've got something really solid that you can build on. 
Let's go to Oklahoma City where the Heat beat the Thunder 108 to 94. Bam Adebayo had 19 points and 13 rebounds. Duncan Robinson made six threes to score 22 points. And Kendrick Nunn had 20 as he helped the Heat make a fourth quarter push to pull away and close out the win. The Heat have now won three straight games. And they're going to return home after a seven-game road trip. We spent a lot of time on this show wondering if the Heat would ever turn things around. David, have they? No, they haven't. I, I Look, it's, it's signs of positivity. But I have to come back to the fact that I don't think things were ever as dire as they appeared. They had just gone through a number of injuries. They were missing so many players due to health and safety protocols. This roster hasn't been intact at any point all season or maybe for the first couple of games of the season. And even then, after a short turnaround and a short offseason, they weren't really at 100% anywhere or anywhere close to that. As far as the opponents that they've knocked off, look, it was even the Kings team that they beat were missing Harrison Barnes. The Lakers were without Anthony Davis. Uh, and against Oklahoma City, George Hill and Al Horford set. And I mean, that's not exactly a, a huge difference maker for the Thunder. But still, Miami caught a lot of breaks. Even against the Clippers, they were missing four starters. They were missing Pat Beverly, Nick Batum, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. And they still wound up blowing a large lead to the Clippers. So uh, you know about the Warriors' loss, too. They had a big lead over Golden State and then uh, wound up losing it in overtime. So it's some positives here is that they've been playing defense at a pretty high level. They've been incorporating a lot of guard trapping where they've been pressuring the ball a lot making sure that they can force turnovers. So that side of the ball seems like it's at least trending in the right direction. Kendrick Nunn, as you pointed out, has also been playing very, very well. And I think that's the difference maker because so much of Miami's problems are on the offensive end where teams have started to figure out what Duncan Robinson can do and they're pressuring him so that they can deny him the ball and he's not being able to, to get the same quality looks that he did for most of the last season when you, you pretty much did not have any kind of scouting report on what he can do other than, well, he's kind of a shooter. Now they're, they're looking for those dribble handoffs that he runs so well with Bam, and it's just completely changed the dynamic of Miami's offense where they look so flat for so often. But now you've got a third scorer alongside Adebayo and Butler and Nunn who can complement things. He's driving to the rim. He's shooting you know very aggressively. We always knew he was going to look first and last and always to score, but at least he's knocking down those shots a lot more regularly now kind of reminiscent of what he was like early last season when he was just first coming on the scene and you know teams did not know what to expect now the book is out on him and he's still getting to the rim at will he's scoring very well and so he's a complimentary scorer it's making things slightly easier in offense and once you incorporate Goran Dragic who was without you know they were without him for all seven games of this road trip He's going to be another great scorer for them. People always forget how good of a scorer he is for this Heat team. You get a good perimeter defender in Avery Bradley. They haven't turned things around. They are in the process of turning things around. They're in the middle of the turn. There you go. Is what you're saying. That's right. I, I think the Kendrick Nunn development is huge. They were also without Tyler Hero for this game against Oklahoma City. Kendrick Nunn, though, nine assists. Was that a career high? It was certainly a season high. They said that on the broadcast. I would not be shocked if that were a career high or something close to it. But if he could start doing that... For this team, I came on your show last week, David, and we talked about this, about what was really going around in Miami and what our concerns were. And to me, what stands out with this team is just with Goran Dragic in and out of the lineup and obviously, you know, in the twilight of his career or getting close to that point, uh, they lack that drive-and-kick element that we know Eric Spolstra basically predicates his offense on. It's always that in, inside-out element. They just lacked it this year. Right. If Kendrick Nunn 
can get downhill, and he's such a physical player when he gets to the rim, and he can get downhill, and he can start whipping passes out to the corner and behind him and all these things, it changes the offense completely. All of a sudden, Tyler Hero has to do less creating, and he can attack an already scrambling defense. It, it frees things up for guys like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to get downhill. All of a sudden, things start moving. Duncan Robinson is coming off of screens and shooting threes and all this stuff. They just need that drive-and-kick element. If Kendrick Nunn can be that for them as a starter— it will look a lot like it did last year when Kendrick Nunn was a starter for that team and playing well. Now that he's healthy and he's in shape and things are working, if if, if this is a real thing from Kendrick Nunn, if this is a real uh, emergence of him this season, that's going to be huge for the Heat uh, going forward. Yeah, look, he, he's also showed some improvement on defense, and that was the knock on Kendrick, why he didn't get a lot of playing time in the Orlando bubble, why he was already starting to lose some effectiveness prior to the hiatus taking place in the last March, and even why he was out of the lineup for most of the season early on, is that he's one-dimensional. He's a scorer. But if he can improve defensively, which he has shown, and if he's making plays and he can show that he's a consistent playmaker for others, this is getting a huge boost because his scoring is pretty great. I mean, I'm not sure if it's all-star level type scoring, but it's pretty close. He's been Miami's top scorer among their top scorers over most of this road trip. And so... That's you're getting a whole additional player there. So much of the conversation around Miami is who do they need to trade for? Do they need to trade for a superstar? Do they need to trade for a role player? And while that's still the case, potentially, uh, maybe not in my opinion, but at least you're getting a certain boost there from none that you weren't expecting. And that's the kind of internal development they were banking on when they passed on a lot of key free agents this season, knowing that they were trying to save all this salary cap space for 2021. The Lakers blew a 17-point lead in the second half, and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook came up big as the Wizards beat the Lakers in overtime to win their fifth straight game. Here's more on the collapse from Locked On Lakers. Anthony Irwin here for Locked On Lakers, recording a Locked On Now, uh, an instant reaction to the Lakers losing in overtime to the Washington Wizards. Uh, that is apparently the fifth win in a row for Washington. Uh, the Lakers have now lost four out of five and and are really kind of searching for, I wouldn't go so far as to say answers, uh, so much as they're just looking for a way to just crawl and slide into the home plate that is the All-Star break. They look exhausted. LeBron is taking step-back three-pointers against Davis Bertans uh, and, and the likes of him. So uh, the Lakers, they need another ball handler. They We'll hopefully get one back when uh, Dennis Schroeder comes back on Friday. But until then, this just isn't a very good basketball team right now. It is what it is. That's going to do it, though, for the this Locked On Now. It was going to be a lot shorter. I was just going to hop on here and say bleep and then walk off. But but I guess I have to to kind of try to recap this a little bit. But that's that's basically the the sentiment around the uh, around the organization right now. It's just bleep. And then let's get to the All-Star break. That's going to do it, though. We'll talk to you later on Lockdown Lakers. Let's go to Dallas, where Luka Doncic had 21 points and Tim Hardaway Jr. had 29 off the bench as the Mavericks beat the Grizzlies 102-92. John Morant had 22 points and 9 assists, but not much help. Here's Lockdown Grizzlies with more. The Grizzlies tonight go to Dallas in a game in which you know they had rested starters against Phoenix. You had hoped that they would certainly be fresh and ready to go, but they absolutely were not. Just a dud of a performance tonight for the Grizzlies. You know, over the past week, their third such performance against Phoenix. It was understandable with how many starters they rested, but a bit concerning tonight um, as they uh, laid an egg really uh, in a game that they really could have used to win, especially with the uh, you know facing a division opponent. Just once. Again, 
again, uh, struggled, you know, defending the threes, though in the second half showed a little bit of improvement. But the usual energy, effort, intent, and, and you know, the difference-making, you know, aspects of the game that the Grizzlies, you know, have done consistently to find ways to win just were not there tonight. You know, though John Moran had a decent performance, just overall a bit of a lackluster effort and, you know, overall game from the Grizzlies. Certainly not something that you want to see. Thankfully, two days of rest coming up for Memphis before they welcome the Clippers in back-to-back -back games later on this week. But overall, disappointing performance for the Grizzlies. Hopefully, they'll be able to turn it around, you know, as they come to the stretch run, you know, of the first half of the season. Um, hopefully, we'll see a much better performance going forward. We'll have this and much more for you on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. In Houston, Kobe White scored 24 points, and the Bulls used a big third quarter to pull away for a 120-100 to win over the shorthanded Rockets, handing Houston its eighth straight loss. Here's more from Locked on Bulls. What's up, Bulls Nation? Matt Peck here from Locked on Bulls. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bulls. Here's your Bulls postgame takeaway from their 120 to 100 win over the Houston Rockets for the Bulls' second straight win. Obviously, a, a shorthanded Rockets team. The Bulls seize that opportunity. The Rockets were small. Uh, the Bulls started off this game by going inside often and early, uh, getting all kinds of good looks. And then a dominant third quarter that saw the Bulls put together 46 points, their highest scoring quarter of the season, dismantling a tired and undermanned Rockets team. But I wanted to highlight Wendell Carter Jr. tonight. In his fourth or fifth game back since the uh, bruised thigh, he's looking more and more comfortable on the offensive end. We saw him get out to a fast start against Embiid and the Sixers this past Friday night, hitting his first five or six field goal attempts, and then kind of disappeared in the second half. Again, tonight, continuing to look confident and calm and composed, whether he is getting the ball in the on the block and getting his good looks for his baby hooks, his scores around the rim, or operating as a distributor, as a facilitator from that high post or that pocket position. And I think a couple of weeks nursing his injury on the bench, watching the vet, the wily vet, Thad Young, operate in a very similar way from that pocket position, whether putting the ball on the floor and looking to attack or kicking it out to either of the corner shooters has helped Wendell take a deep breath and be a much better decision maker when he gets the ball in those spots on the floor. 18 and 13 for Wendell tonight, a modest stat line, but another step in the right direction for the Bulls young center. That's your Bulls postgame takeaway. Two in a row, they'll look for three in a row on Wednesday against the Timberwolves. For more coverage and content on the Chicago Bulls, subscribe to Locked On Bulls, your team, every day. And in Utah, the Jazz pulled away in the fourth quarter to bounce back from a rare loss to the Clippers after a three-day break. Here's more from the boss with Locked On Jazz. This is David Locke where the Utah Jazz have just defeated the Charlotte Hornets by the final score of 132-100. to it was a three-point shooting barrage in the fourth quarter by the Jazz that blew this game open. The Jazz went 11 of 16 in the fourth quarter, shooting threes, led by George Niang, who went seven for seven from three, the first player in NBA history to make seven threes in without a miss in fewer than 20 minutes. The Jazz set a franchise record tonight by making 28 threes, which surpassed their record they made last time they played Charlotte when they had 26. In fact, in two games against Charlotte this year, the Utah Jazz are 54 of 105 from three. The Jazz, now winners of 21 of their last 23. 
For more on the Jazz, go to Locked On Jazz on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up, Tobias Harris has a way to quiet the trade rumors in Philly, and his solution may surprise you. But first, David, tell the listeners about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents More Than the Game. Right now, you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. It's time to play on or blow the whistle. Draymond Green admitted that he was quote-unquote wrong for getting ejected late in Saturday's 102-100 loss to the Charlotte Hornets and acknowledged that he felt worse about this episode than he did about getting suspended for Game 5 of the 2016 Finals. Wes, play on or blow the whistle? I'm going to blow the whistle because I don't know if I could believe him. Draymond Green, we talked with him today, uh, or I'm sorry, on Monday afternoon, and he said that he felt worse about this ejection at the end of the Charlotte game. And for those who aren't caught up, Saturday night, uh, loose ball is wrestling Gordon Hayward for that loose ball. Uh, Hayward gets his hands on it, tries to call a timeout, and and the officials award that timeout. Draymond Green took issue with that because he didn't think that the Hornets had possession in order to be awarded that timeout. Either so, he screams at the officials, he screams at the ben- the Charlotte Hornets bench, he screams at everybody. He gets assessed not one but two technical fouls. Uh, the Warriors at the time were up two. The Hornets get two technical free throws. They make Terry Rozier makes both, and then they they have possession. Um, after Draymond Green was ejected, they get possession. Terry Rozier makes the game-winning shot at the buzzer. The Warriors have never never get an opportunity to answer. They lose a game that they needed to win. And Draymond Green after the game, or I'm sorry, Steve Kerr after the game, said Draymond Green made a mistake. Draymond Green talked to media for the first time. So now that we're caught up. Um, I still don't believe that that was worse than getting kicked out of Game 5 of the 2016 Finals, being suspended for that game, because those were the Finals, and this was a regular season game. Now that said... Those Warriors, those Dynasty Warriors, could afford to drop a regular season game. Draymond Green is allowed to get ejected or get as many technicals as he wants in the regular season. These Warriors can't afford that this year. Those Warriors could sleepwalk into 60 wins. These Warriors can't take a playoff spot for granted. And so they need these games. They need these regular season wins more than any year that that Draymond Green has played since he became a starter, basically. You can't do this. And he admitted it was a mistake, uh, but I just... I don't know that he could possibly feel more worse than, than not playing in a finals game. Well, I mean, it's kind of perfectly symbolic and, and perfect for Draymond, a guy who kind of always lives in the moment and has a, a very short-term memory about things like this. So I, I, for him to dismiss that after, you know, kind of glossing over and winning two more titles following that, that key moment there, maybe it's his way of also kind of just looking back and saying, I don't want to necessarily take responsibility for the demise of that team. Like they were going through a lot uh, that season as well. And, 
uh, give credit to the Cavaliers for knocking them off, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really make too much of this. Draymond just had to say something, I guess, and, and maybe that's the first thing that popped yeah. in his mind. It seems like a, he seems like a hot-headed player. You'd know a lot better than I would, but it seems like he's just prone <laughs> to saying a lot of what comes to his mind whenever he feels like saying it. Well, that's true, certainly, and that's why he's going to be a great broadcaster. But I also think that he, he thinks the 2016 finals were a conspiracy, and this one was entirely under his own control. There you and go. to that point, I, I guess it's true. Uh, Sixers forward Tobias Harris advised ben, uh, or told Ben Simmons that the best way to quell trade rumors is to win a title. This is according to The Athletic, Sam Amick. David, play on or blow the whistle? I mean... Uh, I'm going to play on here, to be honest with you. I, I just, that's fine, I guess. I, you know, I, I don't think that stops teams from wanting to trade you just because you win a title. You're always looking to make improvements. And if you happen to be a weak link on a title-winning team, guess what? Your tenure with that team isn't cemented. So, I, I to me, it's, it's fine. I, I think you can still say – you can win a title and still look to make changes. We've seen that historically. I mean, look at look at Harrison Barnes, huh? You know, he, he was a pretty solid player for those teams, and he wound up getting, well, not necessarily traded, but he wasn't uh, part of the team's future when they could acquire a certain Kevin Durant. So I think for Ben Simmons, while he might be still a very, very good player, and if they can somehow win a title this year, maybe he can squash some of those rumors temporarily, but they'll always crop up next time he goes 0 for 7 or you know doesn't look aggressively on offense or seems like he might be doggy to some extent. So I'm going to play on here. Yeah, duh. I don't know. I, I feel like winning cures everything in players' minds, and so I guess you could just say, hey, go win a title, and the trade rumors start – we don't know if that's true or not. Even when the Lakers won their title with Kobe and Shaq, there, there was stuff about whether or not they could fit together afterwards sure. and, and things like that. And, and the same goes for the Miami Heat. Um, when you know Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh, even after they won those first finals in, in 2012. So I uh, maybe, I don't know. And, and it's just it seems so much easier. It just seems so off the cuff by Tobias. Just go ahead, win a championship, and then all the trade rumors start. Look at the start. flip side of it, right. right? Like the Kawhi argument. Oh, he'll win a title in Toronto. There's no chance he can go anywhere else. Uh, well, not quite. Right. And I know there were extenuating circumstances there, but it works both ways. The team is looking to upgrade. Players are looking to change scenarios. There's always the disease of more where they're looking for more opportunities. A title doesn't mean anything other than you won this year. Maybe it helps cement your legacy to some degree, but it certainly doesn't keep it in stone. Moving on, Sean Devini of Heavy.com reported that NBA executives think DeMarcus Cousins would be a bad fit with the Lakers. Wes, play on or blow the whistle? Play on. A full play on. Don't even stop to wonder. if, Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins. Not going to work for the Lakers. He, we did that already. We've already been there. Um, let's move on to the final lap here. Happy birthday to Andrew Wiggins, who turns 26 today. Wiggins is enjoying a career renaissance in Golden State this season. David, has he done enough? To shake his poor reputation that he got in Minnesota to you? No. I, well, I, not necessarily the reputation. I think, well, for me, I was never quite as negative as a lot of people seem to, you know. I know they have very strong feelings about Wiggins. I never really leaned that way myself. I knew there were concerns about efficiency and everything else. But he's, he's turned things around. He's made himself a solid role player. I think the issue is also the contract. And that's not his fault. Players are always going to choose to get as much money as they possibly can. It's just that he wasn't ever, ever able to live up to the value and still doesn't. But, I mean, he's a solid player. He was probably right. a lot better than a lot of people were giving him credit for. And, uh, well, he's just he's been able to do things well in a certain role in, in Golden State. Yeah, he'll never be worth that contract, $28 million, $30 million a year. But the, the Warriors have won the D'Angelo Russell-Andrew Wiggins trade that's so far. Point. I think that's very clear. And Andrew Wiggins, I don't know that he's done enough to shed his reputation, but he's getting there 
the main thing, the main knock against him in Minnesota was that he didn't try hard on defense and he wasn't a good defender. And by the way, that was true. Uh, he has completely changed that part of his game in Golden State. His numbers are great. He's an on-ball stopper. He's He's been borderline elite for them. David, honestly, if I get an All-NBA vote this year, he would be on my All-NBA defensive team, or at least in consideration the way that he's played so far. That's fair. Um, moving on, get your spoon and pour your milk. It's time to decide what to watch tonight as we play Serial or Not Serial. The Mavericks host the Celtics tonight on TNT. David, Serial or Not Serial? <sighs> I'm leaning not serial here. Like any other day, that might be a serial matchup. But the Mavericks coming off the second night of a back-to-back, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to put together two solid efforts in a row. Boston just in turmoil, not with uh, you know Marcus Smart's uh, is showing that he he's irreplaceable to that system. They're going through a lot of turmoil. Kemba Walker doesn't seem great. You've got Celtics fans clamoring for the firing of genius head coach Brad Stevens. It just seems like an ugly mess. I mean, go listen to Locked On Celtics if you need any more assurance about this. But I I I cannot look at this game and say that it is serial. Clearly, oh, I mean, the flip. I feel like you just talked me into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I was just thinking that. You know, I was listening to myself. It's like, oh, you know, some shit's about to happen. It's gonna be great entertainment. So why not make it serial? Fine. You, you, the Celtics losing. The Celtics losing to me is always a big bowl of cereal. I'm all in on that. I'm all in on the uh, the Celtics. The Celtics just completely in turmoil. Uh, the late game. The Nuggets host the Blazers. Uh, Blazers on that second night of a back to back. Back to back. Excuse me. Cereal or not cereal? Ah. <sighs> Same, I guess. You're always looking for a chaos factor, so I'll make it cereal. Oh, see, now I'm out. I'm not cereal. All right. I'm not cereal. Blazers on a second night of a back-to-back. I know that Damian Lillard is really, really good, but I've kind of seen this movie before. Damian Lillard doing everything surrounded by other players who can't really do a whole lot. Uh, And and Denver, just call me when it's the playoffs. I don't know. I I feel like they're, they're just not what I think that they should be yet. Uh, if that while, makes right? any sense, yeah, yeah. Actually, if if we're those are the national broadcast games, I as far as league pass options are considered, I'm watching Brooklyn every chance I get. I know they're playing the Kings. I don't care. I don't have any interest in watching the Kings, and I'm not going to watch anybody in a purple uniform the entire game. I'm just going to watch everybody in a Brooklyn Nets jersey. I don't really care who they're playing anymore. And the 76ers play the Raptors. Uh, that might be a good one as far as league pass options are concerned finally tonight it's the series premiere of superman and lois david is this serial or not serial i am going decidedly not serial like i just the relationship between superman and lois to me is just the most interesting aspect of it is with him hiding his identity from her despite the fact that she is this incredible reporter with a secret already out there it's just more of a soap opera type feel than anything else like i mean he's superman he's indestructible and, and Whatever adventures that she happens to get in as a part of her reporting just aren't that interesting to me until he comes around with his red cape and somehow saves her. But there's also the big problem for me, which is that anything DC related, with the exception of the you know the, the Christopher Nolan movies with Batman, uh, just haven't been very good. So I'm not looking for look forward to the Snyder cut. I'm not looking forward to any kind of Batman movie with uh, the vampire kid, Ruben Pattinson or whatever his name is. So I, <laughs> I'm just not a big fan. Sorry. Reuben Pattinson, uh, Marvel movies aren't any good. I don't, I don't know. I'm not acquainted enough with this whole universe to know whether or not those are hot takes or not. I have no idea what we just talked about, uh, but I'm glad you did. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me over at Locked On Warriors and David over at Locked On Heat. Thanks for listening. I have no idea. I have never heard of a Reuben Pattinson. I don't Robert, know, I Robert, heard... 
Robert I haven't Patterson. heard. Of, I haven't. I haven't heard of a Ruben since since season two of American Idol. 